Hello, Ramon. Hope you're ready to tackle whatever this Sunday in San Francisco has in store for you. Yeah, and it sounds like a cozy one with a forecast of light rain all day. Highs of 52 degrees and lows of 47. Perfect weather for staying in and catching up on the news. Speaking of which, let's dive into today's top stories. Over in Gaza, the United States has made a significant humanitarian move by airdropping over 38,000 meals amidst ongoing conflict. Israel has shown support for these efforts as talks of a ceasefire hinge on Hamas's agreement to release hostages. But with recent strikes in Rafah escalating tensions, the path to peace remains fraught with challenges. Ashki, I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Welcome to Ramon's News from Pocket Pod News. Meanwhile, at a World Trade Organization summit in the UAE, negotiations ended without substantial agreements on key issues like fishing and agriculture. With global elections looming and criticisms from figures like Donald Trump and Joe Biden, the WTO faces uncertain times ahead. Director General Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala stresses the importance of unity amidst these challenges. And Consumer Reports has unveiled alarming security flaws in popular doorbell cameras sold by giants like Amazon. Vulnerabilities could potentially allow unauthorized access to footage, raising serious privacy concerns. With companies pulling affected products and offering refunds, it's a wake-up call for e-commerce platforms to tighten security measures around their offerings. This message is brought to you by PocketPod. Say goodbye to one-size-fits-all podcasts and hello to a fully personalized listening experience with AI-crafted podcast made just for you. Head over to PocketPod.app to join the waitlist. Tensions continue to mount in Gaza as the humanitarian crisis deepens, with the United States making a dramatic move. That's right. In an effort to alleviate worsening conditions, the U.S. has conducted humanitarian airdrops, delivering over 38,000 meals into Gaza amid ongoing strikes and civilian casualties. But with Ramadan fast approaching, there's a glimmer of hope. Efforts to establish a ceasefire are underway, with talks resuming in Egypt and a potential agreement on the horizon. It's a complex situation involving not just humanitarian efforts, but also intricate political dynamics between Israel, Hamas, and international stakeholders. To help us navigate through these developments, we're joined by PocketPod News International Politics correspondent Mallory Hessel. Mallory? Indeed, Steve. The situation in Gaza is both dire and complex. The recent humanitarian airdrops by the United States are a crucial lifeline for many. On March 2nd, over 38,000 meals were delivered into Gaza by three C-130 U.S. military planes with Jordanian forces assistance. This operation underscores the severity of the humanitarian crisis, where at least 576,000 people are on the brink of famine conditions. That's quite an operation. How are these efforts being received on the ground? The reception is mixed, Steve. While there's gratitude for the aid, there's also concern about ensuring that these supplies reach those most in need without being intercepted by militants. This challenge underscores the broader issue of access and distribution amidst ongoing conflict. Speaking of ongoing conflicts, can you tell us more about the efforts towards establishing a ceasefire? Absolutely. Ceasefire negotiations are indeed making headway with talks resuming in Egypt. A six-week ceasefire framework is reportedly in place contingent on Israel's condition that Hamas releases hostages, with U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris set to meet Israeli War Cabinet member Benny Gantz on March 3rd and Ramadan beginning on March 10th. There's a sense of urgency to these talks. 
And what about the situation in Rafah? The civilian casualties there have been particularly distressing. Yes, Steve. Strikes in Rafah have resulted in significant civilian casualties. On March 2nd alone, at least 25 people were killed near a hospital and within a family household. Although the Israeli military targets were Islamic Jihad terrorists, these actions resulted in widespread civilian harm, a stark reminder of the conflict's devastating toll on noncombatants. Israel's offensive response has also been quite significant. Indeed it has. In response to an attack by Hamas on October 7th, Israel launched an extensive offensive that has led to massive displacement within Gaza and significant loss of life and infrastructure damage. Over one million Palestinians have sought refuge away from their homes since this offensive began. Amidst all this chaos, how are Gazans coping with basic needs like food? The situation concerning food and health is grim, Steve. Severe food shortages have led to malnutrition-related deaths among children, a heartbreaking reality underscored by 13 children dying from malnutrition at Kamal Adwan Hospital over just three days. With such a dire humanitarian situation unfolding, what can you tell us about international responses? International pressure for a ceasefire has intensified amidst this unfolding humanitarian catastrophe. President Joe Biden expressed hope for peace before Ramadan begins on March 10th, reflecting global concern over the escalating violence and its toll on civilians. It's clear that while efforts are underway to address immediate needs and negotiate peace, the road ahead remains fraught with challenges. Precisely, Steve. The current situation reflects not only immediate humanitarian concerns, but also deep-rooted political dynamics between Israel, Hamas, and other involved parties as they navigate towards potential peace amidst significant turmoil. Thanks for your insights today, Mallory. Thank you for having me, Steve. The World Trade Organization's recent meeting in the United Arab Emirates didn't quite go as many had hoped. Indeed, the summit wrapped up early without consensus on critical issues like fishing and agriculture. It seems global uncertainties and geopolitical tensions are making these negotiations tougher than ever. One silver lining, though, was the agreement to extend a pause on taxes for digital media, a rare point of unity in an otherwise divided forum. And with elections looming in key countries, including a pivotal one in the United States, the future of global trade is hanging in the balance. To help us unpack all of this, we're joined by Pocket Pod News international political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Sarah, how significant were these missed opportunities at the WTO summit? Jonathan, the outcomes, or rather the lack thereof, from this WTO summit are indeed significant. The failure to reach consensus on critical issues like fishing and agriculture not only showcases the complexities of international trade negotiations, but also points to deeper systemic issues within the WTO framework. With 166 nations involved, achieving unanimous decisions is a monumental task, especially when national interests and priorities differ so vastly. You mentioned systemic issues within the WTO. Could you delve a bit deeper into what this implies for global trade? Absolutely. The World Trade Organization has historically been a platform where nations could negotiate trade policies and resolve disputes amicably. However, as we've seen in Abu Dhabi, the increasing polarization and geopolitical tensions make it challenging to find common ground. 
This division isn't just about fishing rights or agricultural subsidies, but reflects broader disagreements over how global trade should be conducted in an era of digital economies and shifting power balances. Speaking of digital economies, I understand there was at least one agreement reached regarding the extension of a tax pause on digital media. How important is this decision? It's a significant, albeit small, victory for global trade negotiations. By agreeing to extend the pause on taxes for digital media until their next biennial meeting, WTO members have acknowledged the importance of fostering an environment conducive to digital trade growth. However, it also highlights how navigating traditional trade frameworks in our rapidly evolving digital world remains a challenge. And how do global uncertainties factor into these discussions? Director General Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala's comments about global uncertainties affecting trade discussions are very telling. From disruptions in the Red Sea caused by Yemen's Houthi rebels to broader international conflicts, these external pressures add another layer of complexity to negotiations that already have high stakes. It emphasizes how interlinked our global challenges are, from security issues to economic policies. With U.S. elections looming and potential shifts in policy on the horizon, what could be the implications for international trade? The upcoming U.S. presidential election is a pivotal moment for global trade relations. A potential re-election of Donald Trump could introduce significant volatility, given his previous stance on tariffs and threats to withdraw from the WTO altogether. These elections underscore not just American domestic policy shifts, but also signal potential changes in how one of the world's largest economies engages with other nations on trade issues. Lastly, let's touch upon China's role within this dynamic. There seems to be ongoing contention regarding its classification as a developing country. That's correct, Jonathan. Since China's accession to the WTO in 2001, there have been growing concerns among other member nations, particularly the United States, over its classification as a developing country. This status affords China certain benefits that some argue give it an unfair advantage in market access, technology transfer practices, and dumping cheap products into global markets. This issue is emblematic of larger tensions between major economies trying to navigate an equitable path forward in international trade. It sounds like there's much at stake as we navigate these complex waters of international relations and trade agreements. Thank you for offering such clear insights today. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we continue these conversations as we grapple with shaping a fairer global trading system amidst such turbulent times. That was PocketPod News International political correspondent Sarah Rogers. Thanks for joining us today. In today's digital age, smart home devices like doorbell cameras offer convenience and security. But what happens when those very devices become a security risk? That's exactly what a recent Consumer Reports investigation has uncovered. Doorbell cameras manufactured by Eakin Group Lodid, sold under brand names Eakin and Tuck, have been found vulnerable to unauthorized access. This could potentially allow malicious actors to control these devices or view footage without consent. 
The findings prompted immediate actions from retailers like Temu and Walmart, with some removing the products from their platforms. However, Amazon's response to the situation has been notably absent, despite these cameras being awarded the Amazon's Choice badge. And it doesn't end there. The investigation also pointed out vulnerabilities through an app called iWit, operated by Eakin Group, making nearby doorbell cameras accessible by pairing them without proper authorization. With us today is PocketPod News Technology correspondent Alex Harmon to dive deeper into this story. The risks these vulnerabilities pose to consumers, the responses from major retailers, and what this means for the future of IoT device security. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. The situation uncovered by Consumer Reports is indeed troubling. They found that doorbell cameras produced by Ecken Group Lekheled, which are sold under the brands Ecken and Tuck on major online platforms like Amazon and Walmart, have serious security vulnerabilities. These flaws could potentially allow unauthorized individuals to gain control over the devices or view footage without the owner's consent. That sounds quite concerning, Alex. Can you elaborate on what specific vulnerabilities were found? Absolutely. The investigation revealed that these security issues could enable malicious actors to access live footage or still images captured by the cameras. Even more alarming is the possibility of these individuals locking out the original device owners, effectively hijacking their doorbell cameras. And how have retailers responded to these findings? In response to Consumer Reports' findings, Temu took swift action by removing Eakin-made doorbells from its platform. Similarly, Walmart responded by removing listings of the affected doorbell cameras sold by third-party sellers on its marketplace and even offered refunds to customers who purchased them. These actions demonstrate a proactive approach to consumer safety from some retailers. What about Amazon? Given their significant market presence, their response must be critical in this scenario. Interestingly, despite awarding the Eakin and Tuck doorbell cameras its Amazon's Choice badge, Amazon did not immediately respond to requests for comment regarding the security issues identified. This silence stands in stark contrast to other retailers' quick actions and raises questions about how platforms deal with potential risks associated with selling vulnerable devices. You mentioned an app called iWit in connection with this issue. Could you tell us more about that? Yes, researchers found a particularly concerning vulnerability associated with an app called AWIT operated by Eakin Group. This flaw could allow bad actors to exploit vulnerabilities by pairing nearby doorbell cameras with another device without proper authorization. It's a stark reminder of the security concerns that can arise with IoT devices and how easily they can be exploited if not properly secured. This brings up broader implications for e-commerce platforms selling these products. Precisely, Jonathan. Justin Brookman from Consumer Reports emphasized that there's a pressing need for major e-commerce platforms to improve their vetting processes for sellers and products. This situation underscores broader concerns about consumer safety in digital marketplaces where potentially unsafe products can be listed by third-party sellers without adequate oversight. It sounds like this investigation has shed light on significant consumer safety issues within digital marketplaces and IoT device security overall. Indeed, it has. Retailers like Timu and Walmart have taken steps towards addressing these concerns by removing affected products from their platforms. 
However, incidents like these highlight ongoing challenges in ensuring product safety and consumer protection as IoT devices become more common in our daily lives. It also emphasizes the need for better vetting processes by major e-commerce platforms to prevent similar incidents in the future. Thank you for providing such detailed insights into this issue, Alex. My pleasure, Jonathan. It's crucial we stay informed about these technological developments and their implications for consumer safety. And that's Ramon's News for Sunday, March 3rd, 2024. I'm Jonathan Martin. And I'm Steve Onsker. Thank you for listening, Ramon. We hope you have a good day and we will see you tomorrow. This podcast was created by PocketPod entirely with AI. If you'd like to learn more, head over to pocketpod.app.